you only have a few hours, so listen carefully. If you're hearing this story, you're already in danger. Sadie and I might be your only chance. Go to the school, find the locker. I won't tell you which school or which locker, because if you're the right person, you'll find it. Hey! Hi! And, and hello. hello! Welcome to Into the Verse, a Rick Riordan read-along podcast that focuses on the Rick Riordan books that aren't about everyone's favorite golden child, Percy, Percy Jackson. Jackson. This includes Percy Jackson, the Olympians, Heroes of Olympus, and the Trials of Apollo. Today we start our adventure by looking at the King Chronicles' first book, The Red Pyramid, looking at chapters 1 and 2. A Death at the Needle, and an explosion for Christmas. Hi, Hal. How you doing? Eh. Life could be so much better right now, but, you know, people are difficult. I, <laughs> I mean, it could, but what what better time than a pandemic to start a podcast, I guess? I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to Into the Riordan Verse. As we said, it's a, it's a Rick Riordan read-along podcast that focuses on all the books that aren't about Percy Jackson. Uh, we're starting with The Red Pyramid. I've actually never read any of the books other than the original Percy Jackson series and the Heroes of Olympus series. So this is going to be a fun new adventure for me. I do like Egyptian mythology. I I read these books so long ago. So it's almost like I'm coming into this series new. It's been... How old am I again? <laughs> Well, th- that's the it's mood. been probably over it's been probably over a decade since that... have these books been out that long how old am i uh this book came out in 2010 oh yeah it's definitely been like a decade since i read these books it's oh. been a decade welcome to old age how it's a friggin nightmare <laughs> which is funny because oh, you're, you're, you're older than me by like a year can we can we go back Go yeah, back can where? we go back to when these books can we go back to when these books were new and <laughs> I was a small child that did not have to worry about rent and riots? <laughs> I mean <laughs> and disease. I mean rent, riot and diseases or being an awkward 13-year-old. Which one did you choose? Oh, 13-year-old. I would go back to that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Yeah, same. All right. So let's start looking at these books. Uh, the first chapter title is called A Death at the Needle. And I came up with a little fun idea that you and I could rate the the chapters with a little added twist. So you and I don't know what we've rated the chapters so far, correct? Of course not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't sound more suspect if I tried. But we, I truly don't know his rating, though. I truly don't. Yeah, we truly we truly don't know each other's ratings. It's on a scale of one to ten, and here's what here here's what I wanna do. Every chapter we're gonna tally up we're, so if you were to say give it a two out of ten and I were to give it a three out of ten, I would quote unquote win for that chapter. If we both do like five out of ten, it's a tie. If you get a higher number, you win. And what I wanna do is by the end of this book Whoever ha- whoever wins the most chapters, quote unquote, uh, something something happened to them. We'll figure that out towards the end. But h- how do you like that idea? Sounds horribly cheesy. Let's do it. Heck yeah, brother. So a death at the needle. I gave it a six out of ten. I gave it a seven. <laughs> okay, maybe we should say these at the same time so I can just be a hundred percent confident you're not <laughs> screwing me over. No, I actually, I actually put it in my notes. I have, a, I put it in a seven. I guess, yeah. I guess we could just send each other pictures if we don't trust each other. Truly. All right. So, I mean, to get really, to get started in this, I really liked this chapter considerably. It's, it's the stereotypical Rick Riordan introduction chapter, introducing you to the main characters and like, hi, I'm Carter Kane. I'm fourteen, and my home is a suitcase. I think that's a really good opening line to describe a character. It gives it a, you can already tell he's somewhat like a a military kid, actually. He moves around a lot, you know. Except he's not a military kid. His his parent is not in the military. His parent is a, what what's his job ex- exactly, specifically? He's like an archaeologist? They, they, they classify it as a archaeologist. Okay. And that's just called for nerd. <laughs> it's huge nerd. That's just code for huge nerd. I mean, from what 
I like from the description, uh, Carter Kane. Let's, let's, well, before we start talking about his dad, let's talk about the actual character, Carter Kane. He's uh, introduced in this chapter. What do you think about Carter? Oh, he's so. Okay. So he is me when I was in elementary school, and I don't mean that in a nice way. He's such a goody two shoes and like such a. He's that kid that you would you know would get beat up by the bully at school all the time, and you feel bad for him. But at the same time, you're like, can you like, can you stand up for yourself a little bit? Like, yeah. So I mean, what what I really got from Carter isn't that he's some kind of like pushover or anything. He he kind of has like I don't know what character I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like some old cartoon where the character is pretty much the same as Carter, where they. I, I sort of get like a cool person kind of vibe from Carter where he's like, yeah, I, I go around with my nerdy dad, but that's just because a d- divorce. <laughs> divorce is quite the, quite the trauma for small children. I mean, it's quite the trauma when you're, when did my parents get divorced? 22, it was quite the trauma last year when they got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, we I, agree, I, it's always quite the trauma for small children. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> That's it, I hate you. What What I do like... You love me. Do I? Of course you do. One of the things I do like, before we keep getting into Carter's description, is that the premise of the story, I guess, is that it takes place... It, it takes place, but also like it's being told in like after it happened through tape recording. Yeah, probably something like that, or maybe he's writing it down in, like, a journal or something, like... Yeah. But I I do like that sometimes while he's describing, for example, his grandparents, or... Like, when he's describing, like, his grandparents, for example, he'll say something like, After our mom died, her parents, our grandparents, had a big court battle with dad. After six lawyers, two fistfights, and a near-fatal attack with a spatula, don't ask, they won the right to keep Sadie with them in England. The spatula incident, this, this spatula incident is just such a random line that I love from Rick. Like, he'll just throw random stuff in there, and it's just like, oh, I love that you... There's, it's not such doom and gloom all the time, even though some of the stories do take quite the dark turn. He tries to add a comedic element to it. Which I guess is a nice way. Well, I want to finish describing uh, Carter. The first part is I can't find my notes for... Does Carter describe himself at any point? He just he just goes through the notions of, like, this is... Since I was eight years old, my dad and I... Yeah, he, so he just goes into talking about his life. He doesn't really describe himself like he describes Sadie. He does describe himself at some point. I'm pretty sure... I mean, we'll get there. I, 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 I'll, I'll be sure to highlight it when I get to there. So, now that we've talked about Carter, let's talk about his dad. Who he keeps describing as, like, the first really introductory piece. His dad's name is Dr. Julius Kane, which, I mean, Julius is a wonderful name. Okay, it's ironic. It's ironic because Julius is such a Roman name. We're not even doing that, that series. series. We're you not know, even actually, doing that series. I actually never read through the entirety of. <laughs> We're uh, not doing that series. Heroes of Olympus. I, I still never read the fifth book. I literally have the fifth book on my bookshelf right in front of me, like unread. Oh God, you have to, you have to, you have to finish it, bro. This. I mean, it's like you're right. You're right there. It's only one more book. I know the books are like huge at that point. Yeah. They don't get quite Harry Potter big, but you know they're they're pretty chunky. <laughs> they're like pretty, you're like pre- pretty big chunk. They thick. But you gotta yeah, you're you're right there. You can't. Well, I'll be sure to give them a read at some point. Right now, we're focused on this book series. Um, so I like that his name is Julius. Like you said, it's Roman esque. I I can't really think of anything Egyptian related for Julius. The the funny part is when I think of Julius, I think of the father from Everybody Hates Chris. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. I, I would just same. Lo- especially when you get into especially when you get into his description, you you're just like, oh, they're the same person. Copy. Yeah, it's like he has dark brown skin like mine, piercing brown eyes, a bald head, and a goatee. So he looks like a buff evil scientist. This is literally, uh, well, what's the name of the actor? Um, Terry Crews. This is literally Terry Crews. Just like if if we, with the Percy Jackson, the original Percy Jackson books getting adapted into Disney Plus. There is hope that these books will get adapted, and I hope they pick uh, Terry Crews. Like that's that's that <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. It would be hilarious, Hal. Hilarious. H- hilarious. 
I hate you. <laughs> just know this entire podcast is just gonna be me sighing at him constantly. I mean, probably. It, it it did just like we were just talking about this before we we hit record that we're gonna be doing this for the foreseeable future. Which to 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 do this first book according to my calculations, we'll be done with this first book in November. Which I mean, that's up. Op- that's very optimistic that the world's gonna survive by November. I don't see us getting into July, but that's neither here nor there. I, I, I barely see us getting into June, and we're already in June. <laughs> Afterlife podcast, let's go. Afterlife podcast, let's go. So what I do like is that after he describes his dad, um, he starts being like, okay, so we were on, like they're on their way to England because that's where Carter's sister Sadie lives. And they're on their way to England because twice a year, as per the custody battle with his with the grandparents, Sadie can see her dad only twice. Which immediately throws up like red flags. It's like, okay, what did you do, Julius? Why do why do they why do they not like you? Why do you only see your daughter twice a year? I mean, there's a reason why they don't like him, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So as they're on their way, Julius, during the entire time, he keeps looking over his shoulder like they're being hunted or they're being followed, which gave which gave me such uh, SpongeBob vibes. It's uh, <gasps> how's it go? It's like it seems like someone's trying to sell me something, and then the two guys are just behind the boulder. <laughs> Somebody just comes out from behind a car, and it's just like, "What do you have, stranger? Have you heard of the word?" Have you heard of the good word of uh, Jesus Christ? Oh no, wrong mythology. <laughs> wrong. Is Christianity a mythology? At this point, the two thousand year old book is now considered fabled. Is that is that how it's going? <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be hilarious? It's Rick Riordan. It's just like, oh, time for a new series. I mean, the next series he's doing after he he's just finished with the trials of apollo series like the last book is coming out i think it either already came out or it's coming out soon and then after that he's like yep no more percy jackson i'm gonna start doing irish mythology uh there's there's gonna be a percy jackson cameo probably percy jackson is everywhere Percy jackson is everywhere unless unless percy jackson like dies at the hands of rick riordan rick riordan is in inside the universe it's time for you to be retired <laughs> One big thing that on their trip he talks about is that his dad is always clutching his work bag, which like totally not, totally not suspect at all. I have no reference for what a work bag really looks like. I'm just thinking of like a really bulky laptop bag. Guess what? That's what I'm thinking too. Like, or like something like a gym bag, something like that, maybe. Something like that. Like when I think about a work bag, like I can kind of visualize it from when I've seen like cartoons and TV shows or whatever of uh of people you know at dig sites in egypt this this entire book could be a goosebumps episode i'm just saying that right now. <laughs> oh that's hilarious Th- that's literally that's literally how goosebumps always starts you just have the oh, normal average day kid doing their thing and then their parent just has like a secret bag don't touch it timmy or else you're gonna regret it and timmy touches the bag and unleashes the powers of cthulhu or whatever but ironically enough, Carter doesn't touch the bag. Like, he actually listens, and that just makes me sad about him. Like, I would totally touch the bag. Like Same. He, like, he really respects his dad wishes. His dad's like, yeah, hey, don't touch my bag. Don't look at my bag. And Carter is unlike any other 14-year-old boy I've ever known. He just ob- obeys his dad. He's like, okay, I won't look. It's like, he's such a goody two-shirt. It's like, touch the bag. Just, just like... lightly. It's like from Finding Nemo, he touched the butt. <laughs> So talking about this bag, he was, he's like, the one thing that ever really troubled me about my dad was that, you know, when he would start clutching his work bag, usually that meant stuff was about to hit the fan. And he starts talking about this one time in a hotel in Cairo where gunmen came in and then his dad's like, hey, just, uh, just look, just look away, just look away. And then suddenly he looks back and the three gunmen are just hanging from the chandelier. And he's like, nothing, nothing suspect happened here. I love, I love they frame it as a freak chandelier malfunction okay okay where's cairo again cairo's in egypt is it yeah okay yeah i believe i if i'm not mistaken it's the capital actually i mean get ready to either be corrected or praised when i release this episode and everyone's like no you're wrong or a he's right i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it's the capital of egypt right 
we can always just look it up later. Oh yeah. And then he's also talking about a ride in Paris. His dad just puts him in the nearest parked car. Which, I, how did he get in the nearest parked car? What? Uh, no questions. Puts him in the nearest parked car, and then he's like, "Okay, son, look down, look away." And then when his son looks up again, all the cars on the block are overturned and set on fire. And the car he's currently in is freshly washed and polished and has several 20-euro notes tucked underneath the windshield wipers. What? The bag is a bank. And a car wash. And also, I guess, an anarchist. Like, Carter is, like, hyper-dense. There's no way he just went through all these all these situations. And it's like, oh, this is fine. This was just freak accidents. I'm like, bro... Bro, come on. With him, with him sitting in a car surrounded by fire, it literally just reminds me of the meme of the dog sitting in the house on fire. Truly, everything's fine. Truly, <laughs> I'm like, bro. And it's like, no, Carter, nothing's fine. Look, look with your eyes. Like, I know, I know, we haven't gotten to her yet, but just based on like Sadie's like initial impressions, it's like Sadie would not have survived long with her father. Sadie would immediately call out her father, like. Okay, we we need to talk. <laughs> Let's sit and have a chat. <laughs> um, they're on their way through England. They're passing. They're going over to their grandparents' flat. By the way, I just as you have British ancestry in your blood, correct? I do. So the the entire time, I I, I was just thinking, ah, I can make fun of Hal the entire time. Better than I'll fight you. <laughs> So they pass through the golden gates of Buckingham Palace, the big stone column in that word square, Trafalgar Square. It's okay. It's okay. A bunch of English people can't pronounce it. It's fine. (laughs) I I hear British people pronouncing things, and I'm like, that is, you added like twelve extra syllables, but I guess I guess that's that's okay. No, Americans took out syllables. Get it? (laughs) All right, I respect that. And they're going through they're going through London, and he's like, "Oh, you think it's cool that I travel? Actually, no, it's not. We don't really sightsee. We're broke. We just like go. We we stay in pretty rough places, and we don't stay anywhere for long." And he's like, "Most of the time, it feels like we're fugitives rather than tourists." And it kind of it kind of blends in with the whole. His father seems to be like always looking over his shoulder. It's like there's definitely something something up. You can already tell that from just just the first chapter it's like yeah this his father's kind of shifty but you don't really know why what i really do like is that his dad has lectures on topics like he calls this boring by the way Uh, carter calls these lecture titles boring he's like can egyptian magic really kill you and favorite punishments in the egyptian underworld and other stuff most people won't care about i'm like what i would love a lecture like that can egyptian magic really kill you there's so many different ways that can go, and probably, Egyptian magic can probably kill you. You just pass the class by writing the words yes on the chalkboard and walk <laughs> A plus. <laughs> it's, it's like whenever the math teacher in the college movies like, writes a complicated formula, and he's like, whoever solves this formula will pass my class and have my eternal respect. And then, like, some random schlub just walks up, he's like, the answer's six, later, B-words. <laughs> Like, my entire career has fallen apart in two seconds. <laughs> Destroyed in two seconds. And what I really like is that Carter is asking his dad, Hey, so, uh, what's going on? You look freaked out. And he's like, No, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. We're totally we're not fine. getting followed. So, as they, uh, arrive at the housing development for his gra- uh, grandparents, it's near Canary Wharf, right on the bank of the River Thames, Thames, Th- Th- Thanos, <laughs> the River Thanos, um... He's his dad freezes and he's like, "Wait a minute, there's someone behind us." And there was a dude in a trench coat standing across the street. That's that's not suspect at all, and I take offense to the fact that he's wearing a fedora. Not all people that wear fedoras are evil. Yeah, some of them just turn out to be really gay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe I should get a fedora. Would I look good with a fedora? I don't look good with your hat. I feel like your head's too big for a fedora. I need a big hat. I have a big head. I feel like, I feel like your Timo hat is the perfect hat for you. Anyway, so here's a description of the man in the trench coat. Uh, his co- he was a barrel shaped. He was barrel shaped with skin the color of roasted coffee, 
His coat and black pinstripe suit looked expensive. He had long braided hair and wore a black fedora pulling down low over his dark round glasses. He reminded me of a jazz musician, the kind my dad would always drag me to see in concert. Oh, by the way, his dad's uh, like a jazz music enthusiast. Which is so random. It's super random, but it's like, you know what? I have respect for you. That's that's good taste. That, that is good music. I'd love me some good jazz. But back to <laughs> back to the barrel, man. I mean, this is... You can really get a supernatural vibe just from this, this description. Like, that man is not human and or not mortal. Or at the very least, he knows more than any person should. So his dad's like, okay, go to your grandparents' house, go get your sister. I'm going to go talk to the strange the strange trench coat man across the street. And his son is like, but but that's that's probably, you're, you're going to die. And he's like, no, I'm fine. Just go get your sister. <laughs> and then and then instead of fighting it, instead of being like, maybe I should follow my dad, he, um, he goes across the street and he's like, okay, whatever, I'll go get my stupid sister. We are introduced to Sadie. So, I mean, she's great. I love her already. I, I love Sadie so much. Sadie is what you want Carter to be like all those decisions where you're like oh Carter didn't touch the bag or Carter didn't follow his father it's like Sadie totally would have did these things Mm -hmm. as soon as her dad turned her back she would have been like (laughs) I'm behind this car where are you going (laughs) Ooh, what's this button do she's like DDD she is DDD does that make Carter Dexter (sighs) In Dexter's Maybe. Maybe. So I love that the opening introduction is she's holding her cat, Muffin. And Muffin was named Muffin because Sadie was a little girl when she named her. But you know how cats go. They don't care. That cat's name is going to be Muffin from the day it was born until the day it dies. I love, uh, there's also a side note. Whenever Carter is like telling the story from like in the future, Sadie's just like over his shoulder like, you better tell them this or you're such a nerd. I'm like, I, I love you, Sadie. <laughs> as, I, as I'm recording this, she's standing next to me glaring, so I'd better be careful how I describe her. You would never guess she's my sister. First of all, she'd been living in England so long she has a British accent. Second, she takes after our mom, who was white, so Sadie's skin is much lighter than mine. She has straight, caramel-colored hair, not exactly blonde but not brown, which she usually dyes with streaks of bright colors. This day it had red streaks down her left side. Her eyes are blue. I'm serious. Blue eyes, just like her mom. Uh, she's only 12, but she's exactly as tall as me, which is really annoying. <laughs> it's it's always that trope when guys are like, ugh, this girl's as tall or taller than me. I, I, I'm, I feel insecure. GG. I love her wardrobe as well. She's wearing battered jeans, a leather jacket, combat boots, and it's like, this is what I want to wear now. It's like, she was cooler than me at 12 than I am at 20. <laughs> at your current age. You are double her age. Shh. <laughs> um, and, then, and then to top it off, Carter's like, okay, she didn't hit me, so I guess I did an okay job of describing her. <laughs> That's that's nice. I would hit him afterwards just for extra measure. <laughs> just for being like, how dare you describe me? So you did all right. What what I do love is that I, I can hear. Have you ever listened to any of the other Percy Jackson podcasts? I have not. You should. There's one that it's. I mean, I can't stress it enough. I think it's the smartest Percy Jackson podcast. Where it's an in-depth analysis of all the Percy Jackson podcasts, uh, of all the Percy Jackson books in order. It's called The Best Damn Camp Pod. And the host, her name is Fran, she's British, and I spent like three days listening to every single episode she had out at the time. And let me tell you, anytime I hear, anytime I'm like, oh, this character is British, I just hear her voice. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just I, when Sadie says "Grand Gunas," I'm like, ah, yes, British, we did it. <laughs> Grandma Foss in the background, she's like, "Don't let them in." And I'm like, "Okay, Grandma, we get it." Okay, can I comment? Their last name is the most pretentious last name ever, Foss. Grandma Foss. Foss sounds like they're tripping in jewels, and they're like, "Don't touch me." It sounds like a really pretentious British way to say first. All I all I think the in my initial thought was faucet. 
<laughs> and now I just call them. I just call them the Fawcett. The Fawcett family. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. It's the Fawcett family. Da 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 da. Um. And then Sadie's like, here you are again. And they have that awkward conversation. You, The kind of conversation you have with like your cousin who you don't see after a couple years. You're just like, oh, hey, yeah, hi, how you doing? And then you just try to... Yeah, he very much goes out of his way to like, even in the way they dress or the way they interact with each other. They're like, they're very different people, like almost like the opposite of each other. Like... Carter is very much the rule follower, you know, don't touch that, I'm gonna follow dad's rules, and Sadie's like, you're so boring, I'm gonna go break stuff, bye. My my only reference for other characters are the Percy Jackson characters, so when I think of Carter, I think of Grover, and when I think of Sadie, I think of Talia. Really? Kind of, I mean... Grover and Grover and Carter? I mean, who's mm. more boring than Gro- Grover? is by default, like, the most boring character i guess the more like the most like goody two-shoes characters by default i can't think of it i can't think of another character who in any of the other percy jackson books is like i i I guess i guess he's the closest i wouldn't say by any stretch they're similar characters i guess they're just the closest reference point i wouldn't call grover goody shoes good goody two goody two shoes i would just Mainly because he he doesn't wear shoes often because he is a satyr. You're right. Do they have shoes? Do they have shoes for him? Is that a thing? Can I start a business? <laughs> that just sounds like, uh, like something you just see off of the corner, like Macy's, new, from Adele. 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 Adele can release shoes. Adele can release a shoe line. She is successful. Adele. Enough. Adele is. A daughter of Apollo now. <laughs> so they go back down the stairs to meet up with her dad, and he's like, "Oh yeah, trench coat dude." And Sadie's like, "Who's that?" And they're talking, and you can tell, and Carter can tell by the way his dad's moving that like this is an argument that they're like fighting or something. And the other guy's scowling and shaking his head. So Sadie, wonderful dear Sadie. Instead of listening to Carter when he's like, yeah, dad wants us to wait in the cab. She's like, what if James Bond mode activate? <laughs> it's like, I am MacGyver. <laughs> no, MacGyver's the guy who could build stuff out of anything. You're right. So they like go behind a wall and they creep up closely to uh, their parents, and their dad and their and this guy. And then they hear the dad talking to this guy whose name is revealed to be Amos? Amos? Uh, Amos. That's definitely Amos. Amos. Yeah. And judging from the conversation they're having, um, Amos, for example, says, like, if I don't stop you, Julius, they will. The Peronk is shadowing you. And they're like, oh, okay, so they're super getting followed. And this is, this is the best possible thing like this is the good guy who's following them essentially yeah i'm like this i'm like shadowy organizations Ooh. and then the dad is like that's you want to duel me you could never beat me amos and i'm just thinking about Yu-Gi-Oh. they just slap on some dual discs and start playing Yu-Gi-Oh. that'd be hilarious that would be hilarious and then again the great special incident is mentioned where uh carter describes his dad i haven't seen my dad get this violent since the great special incident and i wasn't anxious to see a repeat of that but the mm-hmm. two men seem to be edging toward a fight. And I'm like, I hope the Great Spatula incident gets described later. You can't tell me if it does or doesn't, but I hope it does. Oh, I don't remember. I, I couldn't even <laughs> tell you if I wanted to. I don't remember if they actually do go back to this Spatula incident. Oof. And then Sadie's like, oh, I see trouble a-brewing. And she does the thing where she's like, hi, Dad. And, uh, you know, Amos, this big, strong-looking man in a trench coat and a a hat he's like ah my weakness children he just walks away (laughs) small children Uh. i can't beat i I was gonna beat up your dad but now that i know he has small children my conscience has grown and i'm not gonna beat him up i'll be back old man (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like the spongebob thing how many times do we have to teach you this lesson old man i love the young people so Julius Kane, father of the year here, late on his visit- visitation day, is like ignoring his children's 
concerns and questions of like, who was that guy? What's the parang? He's like, nothing. We're going, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to the private tour of the British Museum. And you could see Sadie's eyes roll. You could you could feel it in your soul. She rolled her eyes in that moment. Like, ugh. I mean, she, she does say it. I can't believe it. One evening together and you want to do research. It's like, you can tell by her tone, like, this is, like, a common occurrence. It's like, yeah, every time we get together, he does something like this. And it's like, oh, joy. Dad is coming to visit. So they're on their way to the British Museum. Along the way, they stop at, uh something called the Victoria, or they call, wait, the Victoria Embankment, what's that? Is that like a river area? I believe so, yeah, the riverbank. So so they stop by the Victoria Embankment to look at something called the Cleopatra's Needle, which is weird because it's not a needle, it's an obelisk, and it probably didn't have anything to do with Cleopatra, but you know the British, they just like, you know, making things sound like they didn't invade half the world. Only half the world. <laughs> I mean, I think at the height of the, of the British Empire, they did control a good, like, half of the world. They truly did. And they never stopped invading, either. Nope. And so Sadie, being angry, she's like, come on, we have to stop for every stupid monument. And her dad, she's like, he's, like, looking at this obelisk, and he's like, this is, I had to see it again, where it happened. And this is where we find out why Sadie and Carter's grandparents don't like julius came yep this is where their mother died this is where their mother died and it's been a pretty taboo subject for his dad like the dad doesn't talk about it but the grandparents blame the dad it's like you don't you don't get much reference to what happened here but i feel like i feel like it was probably a mistake that was that they blame him for rather than him actually doing something to her yeah and so rightfully sadie's like wait a minute what why H- how like i walk past here every day dad how could you not tell me and then he just changes the subject he's like so um you still have your cat and she's like yes i still got my cat what does it have anything to do with it and your amulet which surprises carter because he also has an amulet his is the eye of horus which is a popular protection symbol in ancient egypt and sadie has hers which um is it the same thing do they both have an eye of horus i don't believe so. I think she has a different one. If I remember it's, correctly, it's though, described. that is that is definitely a spoiler. If I remember correctly, though, so okay. And so... I don't he describes. I don't think he describes hers at any point. Okay, so I I hope they do describe. I, I, at this point, I'm just gonna assume they both have eye of horses, which would be re- redundant, I guess, just to have two protective charms. Again, nothing shady going on here at all. <laughs> And then, for once, since their mother died, I guess Julius is about to start talking. He's like, the night your mother died, here at the Needle. And then suddenly they get interrupted, because that's something Rick Ryden likes to do, where he's sort of like, oh, oh, you want some plot? You want some progression? And interruption. (laughs) And antics. So they get back in the cab. By the way, they took a cab here. I forgot to completely mention that. I just made it sound like they walked all across London. Oh, that would be the most dull trip ever. Oh. Imagine spending most of your already, like, most of the day has already been wasted away because they were late. Imagine spending what little time you have left walking to a museum, going through the museum, and then walking back home. Yeah, I'm, uh, you're getting left. I'm calling a cab. <laughs> <laughs> so they start going back to the museum in the cab and he and Julius gives the cabbie an extra 10 pounds if they got to the museum in under five minutes and the cabbies I jeez, I mean this is 2010 Brexit hasn't happened yet why does this cabbie need money so urgently that he's willing to just break the law I guess um money money is a reason to break the law if someone offered you $10 to be like, get me to point B faster and like break the law, just just run through all the red lights, you would do it? Uh, knowing who I am as a person, probably. <laughs> knowing who you are as a person. Probably. I would probably run the red lights regardless, so it's probably best that I just don't drive in general. So, as they are in the cab leaving, Carter gets a glimpse of two figures, a tall pale man with a forked beard and wearing cream-colored robes, and a coppery skinned girl in dark blue robes and a headscarf, the kind of clothes I've seen a hundred times in Egypt. So naturally, on their way to the museum, they start asking about those people and also about the Amos person, 
And once again, their dad, instead of giving them a, a straightforward answer, is like, listen, I need your help. I need you two to, like, do everything I ask you to do at the museum. I get to make everything right. And Sadie's like, make what right? And then, once again, their dad is like, all right, just uh, instead of explaining things to you, I'm just going to keep talking like you had already agreed to me. Father of the year. This is only the first chapter. I can't believe it. And we have we have such great standards, such as Zeus and Poseidon, for great father figures. So, <laughs> I mean, listen, half of Greek mythology is just because Zeus couldn't keep it in his pants. Truly. And the other half is just daddy <laughs> issues or mommy issues. So they get to the museum, and the dad is, dad, dad is like, follow my lead. When we meet the curator, act normal. And they all leave the cab. But then he tells the cabbie, hey, keep driving. Take us to Chelsea. And as Carter turns back to look at the cab, he's like, wait a minute, there's there's three people in the cab. What? Dad? And his dad is like, London cabs don't stay very empty for long. I'm like, yeah, but there was no one near you at all. And the cab literally got full the second it left. Like, what? Not shifty at all. <laughs> and so they finally enter the museum. In, in retrospect, Carter's like, looking back on it, I should have run. I should have dragged Sadie out of there as far as far away as possible. Uh, instead, they went through the gates, and they entered the museum. Yeah. Like I said, Carter, initial impressions of Carter, he seems very dense. That's the word I was looking for earlier. He kind of just, like, he just kind of, like, poo-poos everything that goes on around him, despite how obviously, like, weird or strange things are and even as a teenager it's like bro i need you to have some kind of independent thought like this seems shifty maybe i should try and figure out something but he just he just seems content with just like going with the flow and it kind of falls apart very it kind of falls apart very quickly all right so we're up to chapter two on explosion for christmas how what did you rate this chapter i also rated this one a seven i also got a seven a tiebreaker which means at the end of the first episode of this podcast you are currently in the lead one two i guess i guess i'll count ties as a point two so you're two to one okay you're pulling ahead how how could you oh because i'm better (laughs) (laughs) so they entered so they enter the british museum and they meet the curator who's a greasy little dude in a cheap suit I had seen mummies with more hair and better teeth. I mean, that is a roast and a half. <laughs> I love, uh, you, ha- you have to give kids credit for something. They they come out with the most ingenious, like, clapback. There's a reason why one of the popular nicknames for Percy is Persassy. <laughs> Rick Ryden r- really likes to write his teenage characters to be sassy little turds. They're great, aren't they? I would compare Sadie, I would compare Sadie much more to Percy if anything. I mean, maybe. So, the curator is like, oh, you wrote a great paper on I have no clue how to pronounce it. Im- Imhotep? We're gonna go with that. We're gonna go with that. If any ancient Egyptian fans are listening, please tell me how to correctly pronounce it. And he's like, Im- Imhotep. He's a high priest architect. Some say he was a magician. Designed the first step pyramid. And Sadie's like, nerd. I don't care. <laughs> I love Sadie so much. What I do love is that they sort like they already make like a little callback because the curator looks at Carter, Sadie, and Julius, and he's like, "Ah, yes, Julius and Carter, father and son." But Sadie is question mark question mark question mark because they have like a darker complexion than her. Yeah, they it's it's a really interesting representation of like a mixed family. Mm-hmm. Where wait, so is Julius like Egyptian, or I guess like I I have no idea how to like properly say it I, I don't know if it's correct to just say if he's egyptian or not uh it's some sort of african possibly mm. and then their mother was white so sadie takes after the mom and carter takes after the dad yeah or at the very least she's she's very you could very much tell that she's mixed Is it, he says he says that she's lighter like, you get glimpses of Carter's own description when he says, like, oh, Sadie's lighter than I am, and she has, like, blue eyes as opposed to our father's eyes, and it's like, okay, so he's a, he's probably more in line with the father, similar to how Sadie is more in line with the mother. And then it's revealed why they came, like, what the purpose of this private tour at the British Museum was. 
that their father Julius wants to look at the Rosetta Stone. And I love the super dated reference. I'm pretty sure the Rosetta Stone computer program is still a thing, but like do you remember watching those Rosetta Stone commercials in like 2010-11? Oh yeah. Oh my god, those are such cheesy commercials. Those were such cheesy commercials. Like they were pretty informative, I'm not going to lie. Like if somebody needs to learn another language, those probably would work. But the fact that <laughs> the fact that Rick Riordan in his attempt to you know, reference pop culture, 2010 pop culture, no less. He's like, hey, isn't that a computer program? And instead of, and Carter is like, I wanted to call her stupid, but the curator cut off, cut me off with a nervous laugh. Young lady, the Rosetta Stone was the key to deciphering hieroglyphics. It was discovered by Napoleon's army in 1799. And then Sadie's like, oh yeah, I remember. I don't care. <laughs> Which He's like, I please mean, stop talking. <laughs> Nerd. You could see her holding an L above her forehead right now. It's in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming, and they they don't stop coming. Oh my god. This book dates itself, and we're also dating ourselves. <laughs> I, I've been dating myself for the past like two or three years, is what I keep telling myself, to convince myself that I'm happy being single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He said, he said through gritted pain teeth. <laughs> so they go into a little depth about what the Rosetta Stone was, which I actually do like. Uh, not the story, I guess like the history of the Rosetta Stone. I do like it. Like the actual history where they found it and they're like, no one for, for centuries, like no one could read hieroglyphics. And then they found the stone and an English dude named Thomas Young proved that everything that was written on the Rosetta Stone was the exact same thing, just in three different languages. I think it was Greek, Egyptian, and German? I think? Because, if I recall, they went from... I I know it was like a European language. They went from, I think it was German, from German to uh, to Greek, and then from Greek they're like, oh, hey, hieroglyphics, ancient Egyptian, we got it. (laughs) But then they're like, oh, yeah. This stone doesn't really actually say anything important. It's just like a thank you letter. And we're like, oh, all that history and it's just a thank you letter. It always, it Quality always reminds, it reminds me of always like when humans first discovered um, hieroglyphics and cave paintings or whatever. They thought, ah, yes, the ancient wisdom of our ancestors. And then it just turned out to say something like Grog was here. Yeah. Grog, 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 <laughs> was, here, Grog was here 2 AD. It's like t- 2,000 years, 3,000 years. And literally nothing has changed about humanity. We're still extremely immature. The only thing we got was the internet. Can you imagine the internet existing in, like, Napoleon's time? Oh my god. The French Revolution would be such a humongous meme. I'm just telling you right now. So, like, now. (laughs) I mean, right now, he's... The only way we can get through the sadness and toughness of now is by memeing through it all. And also by, like, donating to causes that prevent the bad stuff from happening. But, you know, memes help temporarily mm. right now. They help ease the pain in the moment. So, the curator gives, like, full access to the Rosetta Stone. And he's even like, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna go get the paperwork you asked in my office. Normally, I wouldn't leave the Rosetta Stone unguarded, but yeah, you're cool. And I'm like, he is? What? <laughs> Are you I'm sure like, about that? He's not shady at all. I swear the father is just a normal archaeologist. Is there is, is there such a thing as a normal archaeologist? Uh yeah, they're a lot of them are just huge nerds. They're like, yeah, they're they're probably not threatening for the sake. In this situation, there are just red flags everywhere, and everybody is just everyone except for Sadie is just like, oh, this is this is fine. Like all of them are that dog in the fire. And Sadie's like, I'm in danger. No, what, what, <laughs> like, what's that? This- Haha, <laughs> I'm in danger. It truly. And then to add to to put more red flags on top of that pile of red flags, her their dad is like, okay, so after the guy leaves, I want you to lock him in his office and then don't come back here. And they're like, wait, what? And they're like, listen to me, I'm your father. Go lock the nice old man in his office and then don't come back here. I'm gonna be doing some spooky Egyptian stuff. And I love how how suddenly interested Sadie is. It's like, wait a minute, we're breaking the rules. <laughs> You want us to lock him in? Brilliant. Dad, what's going on? We don't have time for explanations. Sadie doesn't want an explanation. Like, she's just she's just ready to lock this guy up. 
It's <laughs> just like so, finally something interesting. Let's do it. Finally something interesting. So they go, they lock the curator, which is the easy part. They lock him in his office, just easy peasy. But they're like, hey, what if we broke dad's rule and we went back to see what he was doing? And they see a blue light streaming from the Egyptian gallery they were in with the Rosetta Stone. He's watching IMAX. We have to go back. <laughs> I'm just imagining like the THX logo just like loading up. <laughs> You can hear the noise in the background. It's like the entire the entire museum just like vibrates and and destroys itself just from the pure bass of the THX intro. Truly, and I love Sadie's calling her brother out for not looking in the bag, and I'm like, I was thank just about you. to say, like, what's, thank what's you. It's like you're the most boring fourteen year old on the planet. Like, come on, what's in his work bag? She asked. I don't know. He told me just never look. Sadie raised an eyebrow, and you never did. God, that is so like you, Carter. You're hopeless. I'm like roasted, but good. <laughs> I like you're 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 a good boy, but you're such a good boy, please. And so they go back to the Egyptian gallery and they see their dad in front of the Rosetta Stone. There's a big blue circle around like the floor around the Rosetta Stone, and I like how he describes it as as if someone had switched on hidden neon tubes in the floor. Rave at the Egyptian gallery at the British Museum. The night at the museum part. Part, how many this movie got out? I was supposed to say part two, but I'm like, there's there was definitely a sequel, four? and then I was pretty sure there's another movie after that. There was a sequel, and there was a sequel sequel. I think I think I think there's three movies of Actually, wasn't one of the sequels in the London Museum? Uh yes, I think it was. It all connects. X Files theme plays in the background. Mm. The the um what what's what's the tagline for the X Files? The truth is out there. There we go. There we go. They see their dad in front of the Rosetta Stone with this boomerang-looking instrument that, whenever the dad holds close to the stone, makes hieroglyphics appear in blue lines. And the first hieroglyphic, it's a ram's horn above a box and an X, which Sadie instantly knows how to translate, means the word open. Not suspicious at all. Yeah, Carter is even like, wait a minute, how does she know that? I only know a few hieroglyphics that are really hard to learn. And I spend my entire life studying this stuff. The the dad, he starts chanting, And two more hieroglyphic symbols burn blue against the surface of the Rosetta Stone. Carter doesn't recognize anything other than the first symbol, which is the name of the Egyptian god of the dead, who is Wusir, which I thought the name was always pronounced Osiris, but I guess it's pronounced (laughs) Wusir. No, it is it is definitely Osiris, or that's that's the English translation of the word. Of course in Can you imagine just seeing just seeing Terry Crews going wild with a big white boomerang being like, Woo Seer <laughs> Actually, yeah. I actually can see it and that scares me. I mean he he does go crazy for the Allspice commercials. Or not Allspice Yeah, no, it's Allspice, right? Uh no. He's not Allspice. He's Old Spice is... It's Old Spice. Is he Old Spice? I think. I, I, I was saying Old Spice. I'm like, no, that's that's something you put in bake. Yeah, no. Old Spice. It's Old Spice. I think it is. I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of Isaiah Mustafa. That's what I'm thinking of. Because I keep seeing the commercials have suddenly come back on TV for no reason. Shirtless Terry Crews can throw me through a wall. Mm. Thing. I think he's strong enough to throw me through a wall. Mm. Probably. So it's revealed that these hieroglyphics, these new ones, translate to Osiris come as translated by Sadie and she's like wait dad no and dad turned around he's like children probably to say like children I need your help and then everything probably children run. run the Rosetta Stone explodes and what I like is that Carter's describing how the entire museum is now on fire pieces of the stone are all around giant statues have toppled and the thing he really describes is like how he has to spit out a piece of the Rosetta Stone I'm just thinking of um, what's the new um language program that they're using these days? The one with the bird that like harasses you when you don't remember. Oh, Duolingo. Duolingo. I'm just imagining like Duolingo appearing, appearing where the Rosetta Stone was. It's like I'm in charge now. Learn your Spanish for the day. This is a threat. <laughs> I get emails like that sometimes from Duolingo, where it'll be like, hey, you haven't done your French in a while, uh, you should do that if you don't want to suffer consequences. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> merci, merci. Well, no, that's thank you. Clearly, I'm not doing well with my French. It's truly. <laughs> Duolingo is right. So, 
they they're like groggy and waking up because the Rosetta Stone exploded, and they hear this horrible laughter. Their father is chilling on the other side of the room. He was holding onto the boomerang, and then Carter starts to realize that there's a figure between them. He describes it uh, as first not being able to really make it out, just a flicker of heat, but then as he concentrated, it took on a vague form, the fiery, the fiery outline of a man. And that's when I would be like, I'm leaving. It's like, it's, 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 time, it's time to go. My Uber's outside. It's time, it's time to go. <laughs> my Uber. This is 2010. Uber didn't exist yet. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> We're so old. Oh my god. We are. I remember the first time I ever took an Uber and I was like freaking out because my parents had always taught me never to talk to strangers on the internet and never get into strangers' cars. And I was breaking both laws at the same time. <laughs> so this figure says to the father where very well done julius you summoned me and the dad's like i didn't pick you and this and the demon's like cool i don't remember asking but i'm here anyways truly back to the duat my father rode i have the power of the great king and i, I just love the sass the fireman is like oh scary even if you knew how to use it which you don't he was never my match i am the strongest i'm like oh this is when i super run it's like oh this is when i'm super leaving Deuce's dad. I mean, listen, Carter might have problem abandoning his dad because he's traveled with his dad a lot. Sadie, if she wasn't, like, groggy and knocked out, she'd already be climbing out the window. Truly. Carter would just look back and Sadie would be like, I'm gonna go get help! And Sadie just doesn't go get help. She picks up, like, what's what's a British candy? I don't know. What, what the fuck? Hal, you, you understand British cuisine, don't you? Uh, let's say Ritter Sport. Oh, no, a Malteser. That... Oh, that sounds made up. I know what a Malteser is. The first one you said sounds completely made up. <laughs> that <laughs> just know, just, just know, just know. My mother hates you. <laughs> <laughs> so the dad is like keeping the fiery man's attention to him while trying to give Sadie and Carter the look of get get out, please. Sadie's like groggy and unconscious almost. Carter's like, well, I'm in pain and also terrified that there's a big fiery man in front of me. And as the fiery man and his dad are talking, it's revealed that A, the dad has this enormous 10 foot long serpent scepter thing, which he throws at the fiery man as it turns into a snake. And the fiery man slaps it out of the way. He's like, really? That's all you got? It's like cheap parlor tricks. Cheap parlor tricks. And then the dad's like, how many? How many did I release? Which the fiery man replies, why, all five. You should know we're a package deal, Julius. Soon I'll release even more, and they'll be very grateful. I shall be named King King again. Which, I mean, five what? I, I don't even really know what this fiery man is. Uh, to be you honest. Can't you, you can't really tell me because spoilers. No, just like by initial impressions and based on what kind of series this is, you could make a very much educated guess. I mean, like, I'm guessing what... he's some kind of some kind of like Egyptian monster, maybe Anubis. Like the only bad god I can think of in ancient Egyptian lore is Anubis. They're always they're always very Egyptian Egyptian lore is very much more sketchy than good and evil. Although, you could say the same thing about Grecians. No, you could say more of that about Romans. Grecians really had strict, this is a good person god, this is a bad god. This god, Zeus somehow falls into both categories, despite the fact he's definitely a bad god. He's super a bad god. <laughs> he's like, Zeus is a terrible person. <laughs> it really do be like that sometimes. And then the fiery man is like, I can't be stopped by something he calls the house, which I imagine are like the Egyptian gods sort of like olympus thing like a gathering of the quote-unquote good egyptian gods those old fools can't even stop arguing amongst themselves now let the story be told anew and this time you shall never rise and then the fiery man waves his hand and a blue circle falls at like their dad's feet and he then is transported into a glowing coffin and then the coffin is buried underground also uh, an interesting note the fiery man refers to their father as osiris before this happens which is weird because he was calling Osiris. So I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I'm not gonna get it for a while. But it's kind of weird for him to be like, Osiris, come here. And then the fireman's like, Bye, Osiris. And it's like, Wait, what? Who's Osiris then? Who's he calling? Is he calling himself? This is one of the few things I do remember. So this is very much a spoiler. 
Okay. But I will, I will, I will, I will definitely note that he does refer to him as Osiris before it, before it happens. Duly noted. Sadie throws her stone at the fiery man, and the fiery man looks back and he's like, cheap parlor tricks. <laughs> and Carter starts to describe what he sees as this fiery man turns around. What I saw made no sense. It was as if someone had superimposed two different faces on top of each other. One almost human with pale skin, cruel angular features, and glowing red eyes. The other like an animal with dark fur and sharp fangs. Worse than a dog or a wolf or a lion. Some animal I'd never seen before. So I'm definitely getting Anubis vibes just from that description. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the Egyptian gods had like, in most descriptions, they had like animal heads on top of human bodies. So you get, you very much get a deity vibe from him. I believe Anubis, I forgot what kind of dog head he had. It was a specific dog uh, that they dog. used. They're all good dogs. Anubis is a good dog confirmed. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely a specific dog head that they use for Anubis. But either way, you get a lot of them do use like different animal heads. So you definitely get like, okay, so this is likely like an Egyptian god that they're dealing with at this moment. You don't really know who, but it's like, oh, we're dealing with... Well, you get you get that vibe as the reader, but the kids are probably like, oh, oh, I am, I am hallucinating. I'm in danger. I'm in super danger. And Sadie's like, let's fight it. And Carter's like, no. <laughs> but then you get, you get like the man tries to attack them. And then he stops. Almost like something like pushes him backwards. And the amulet around Carter's neck gets hot. And you get a sense that, that's when you get the sense that, okay, so these amulets are more important than they realize. They prevent bad touch, stranger danger. Can I get one of those? Is somebody stranger dangering you? What? Do I need to kill someone? <laughs> Everybody is stranger danger right now. Oh yeah, this is, this is true. This is a bad time. This is, this is truly stranger danger time. But yeah, you get you get the reference back to earlier in the chapter where he was randomly asking if they both had their amulets and if Sadie still had the cat. And you get a sense of, oh, is the cat important? Are these amulets like actual protection charms and not just decorative? So after describing the fiery man, they start hearing footsteps. And just in time, they're thinking it's the security guard or the police. The fiery man lunges at them, as we said, and they can't. he can't touch them because of the amulets around their necks. So he leaves, looking at, Car at Carter being like, Soon, boy, which, uh, police? Bye? Mm, stranger danger. Then the entire room erupts in flames. Um, everyone passes out. The last thing he remembers is the man with the forked beard and the girl in the blue standing over him. The girl is drawing a knife, and the man's like, We must act quickly. And the girl's like, Nope, not yet. We must be sure we destroy. We must be sure before we destroy them, and then Carter drifts off into unconsciousness. And then they were cut up and sold for parts. GG. I mean that. I'm, I'm pretty sure a kidney on the black market is worth quite a lot. Truly. And that is uh, the end of the first two chapters of the Kane Chronicles: The Red Pyramid. How this was a uh, this was pretty fun to do. This was. This is it's it's really fun getting back into this this whole universe. It's really fun getting into this universe, into the Riordanverse, if you will. See, this is this is the beginning. I need someone to do like a sigh taker ticker. Like <laughs> every time I sigh at one of Rob's like terrible puns. I mean, there's nothing terrible about my puns, baby. They're 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 sigh inducing. So I will let you know at every opportunity. All right. Do you have any other comments or? things you want to say about the chapters we just read i think like i just i just think that just initial thoughts on like the our protagonist sadie is sadie comes off as a much more interesting character than carter i feel like maybe there's a reason for it but like carter seems very like subdued and dense and kind of like you know what i'm just gonna kind of go with the <laughs> flow ignore all the strange stuff that's going on around me this man and... really be ignoring all this supernatural stuff that happens to him and he's like yeah we're fine. like fine. there's like gunfights going on in a hotel and suddenly they're just hanging from a chandelier and like this is fine or you know at the very you're least, in a parking lot during like, a riot my, i i would think like my dad's superman or something at the very least like, or a secret agent or something like maybe the father's james bond mm, like, maybe that'd be pretty that'd be a pretty cool twist 
Wouldn't that be awesome? And that concludes but... our first episode. How we did it. Do it. We did it. All right, let's get through our credits. Normally, hopefully someday in the future, we get like emails and reviews to, to take up a, a little segment to see how people are liking our stuff. But this is the first episode. We have no idea. It's, it's probably the worst podcast you've ever heard in your life. Oh, this was this was so like choppy. Like we're we're definitely gonna get better at it. But like you can definitely, hopefully, you can definitely you can definitely see rookie like written all over our forehead. <laughs> definitely, it's like Fresno flame. So how you have no social media because you thankfully don't want to poison yourself in that world. Oh, uh, truly, I I get my memes from you. <laughs> well, let's go through our credits. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a like. Or no, nah, that's that's a YouTube thing. Like, no, comment, no, subscribe. Be... Just go, just go yeah, with it. Your, <laughs> just go with it. Shut your whore mouth. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to give it a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. There we go. That's what it'd be. Um, we should be available on pretty much everywhere podcasts are listenable to. If you want to email the show, you can email us at intotheriordanverse at gmail.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, we are at, well, not we, but I, me. We are at Pod on Twitter. That's R-I-O-R-D-A-N-V-E-R-S-E pod, Pod. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at the damn meme page on Twitter. I post Percy Jackson related memes for all the other Percy Jackson podcasts. And yeah, that's it. First episode done. Woo. Have a good one, everyone. We'll see you next time, next week. Hopefully we haven't been canceled. Uh, same time, same channel. <sighs> it, it, it would be our luck to just get canceled before we even premiere. Truly. Hi, guys. Adios.